Welcome to the Bible Preaching and Teaching Ministry of Dr. Douglas D. Stauffer. Dr. Stauffer currently serves as President of Key of Knowledge Ministries. He has thousands of hours teaching experience, 10 years serving in pastoral ministries, and has authored several books. One of Dr. Stauffer's most recent projects included his participation as consulting editor for Oxford University Press. He has also been the featured speaker on national and international radio broadcasts dozens of times. If you are interested in these or similar materials, you can contact us at www.mccowanmills.com. Turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I want to look a little bit about their spirit and their life. You know, if you really look at the Bible and you consider that, these modern versions are going to bother you. Because they're not spirit and they are not life. But when you read your King James Bible, it ought to speak to you. It ought to speak to you in, in a way that the Spirit can speak to you. It ought to give you life. It ought to change your life. Mold you and make you into what you ought to be for Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Mainly I'm going to focus in on verse 13, but let me look at verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. The Bible says, You are witnesses in God also how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. These two guys on the front row are missionaries. They're going out to the ends of the earth trying to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. Are you busy involved in that? I mean, either going personally or supporting missions works that are going out to the ends of the earth trying to reach people with the Gospel. You realize if our country would have done that when we had the opportunity in some of these countries, we wouldn't have the problems we have today. Will Baptists have blood on their hands? Yes. But I think it's going to be Baptists not only of our generation, but of previous generations. But it doesn't mean that we can look back there and say they didn't do what they should have done, therefore we don't have any culpability. No, we've got to do what we can do today and not keep looking back and trying to blame it on somebody else. Look at his life, how holy, justly, and unblameably we behaved ourselves. Verse 11, And ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God. Can you walk worthy of God, young people? I mean, I know we as preachers stand up here and tell you, we're lousy, we're bad, you can't do it. That ye would walk worthy of God. The Bible says you can do it. The Bible says you can live for God in this present evil world. Don't cop out and say, well, you know, look at all the turmoil. Ever since Adam and Eve, there's been turmoil. Ever since they took of the fruit, there's been turmoil. You can walk worthy of God. And the Bible commands that we do it. Who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. Here's the verse. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the Word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth the Word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I want to look at four things. I want to look at the Word of God, the Word of men, how man moves from the Word of God to the Word of men, and then how the Word of God works effectually in you that believe. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank You for Your many blessings. I thank You, Lord, for 
Brother Noah Broughton and the work that he's doing here. Lord, at Saline Baptist Church and the people here. Lord, the, uh, the fellowship, Lord, that we have around the Word of God. And just pray, Lord, that You would continue to bless it. Continue, Lord, to help us to look up and to get on our knees before Thee and to realize that we are unworthy, Lord, but You can make us worthy. Lord, You can do something through us because this is the way that You work. You're not going to send a voice from heaven. You're not going to send an angel to do Thy will. Lord, You expect man, men and women, children, to do Thy will and to get the Gospel out and to tell others about what You've done by dying for them. In Jesus' name, Amen. The Word of God, the Word of men. You're familiar with the verse there in Hebrews. It says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It says the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, discerns your thoughts, discerns your intentions. I always ask myself, why are you doing what you're doing? I get up to preach, and I think to myself, well, why are you preaching? Do you love people, or do you love preaching? Do you want to, to give the Word of God out, or, or do you want to be lifted up? We better always search out what our intentions are. That's what the Word of God's supposed to do to us. If we read it and study it and believe it, it'll do an effectual work in our lives. But it will not do that if we don't do those things. Read, study, Pray, attend the preaching of the Word of God. I mean, I ask young people, well, if you weren't made to come to church, would you come to church? Adults, do your kids ask you, are we going to church today? It ought to be a given. Doors are open, time for church. The Word of God is quick and powerful. Turn to Isaiah 55. Familiar verse, but I want to look at it and read it from the Word of God. Isaiah 55, verse 11. I've heard people use this verse and say, well, I've gave the Word of God out and it's not going to return boy. No, it's not going to return boy. You see, sometimes we abuse our liberty. Sometimes we just think, well, we just got to give the Word of God out. It doesn't matter how we do it. It does matter how you do it. Isaiah 55, verse 11, So shall my Word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. He said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. You ever think about that? I mean, God isn't speaking audibly from heaven today. You know how His word goes through out of His mouth? As our mouth becomes His mouthpiece. It will not return void. Turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. And there are many passages you could go to to prove this, but Romans chapter 9 is one of them. Verse 17. The Bible says, For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Do you know who spoke those words? It was Moses. But it says, The Scripture saith. Moses' mouth was used, but it says the Scripture saith. In Isaiah chapter 55, so shall my word be that goeth forth. When we speak the Word of God, now we have to have the Word of God. problem today is there's so many different versions out there. They're not the Word of God. I found one last night as I was doing some study. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. I was going through Jeremiah last night 
Jeremiah chapter 23, look at verse 25. Here's the word of men. I have heard what the prophets say that prophesy lies in My name. Saying, I have dreamed. I have dreamed. Verse 26. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause My people to forget My name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor as their fathers have forgotten My name for Baal. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath My word, let him speak My word faithfully. Now, we have the Word of God. We need to speak it faithfully. We are the mouthpiece of God. His Word will not return void, but we need to be speaking His Word. Thy Word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Hide the Word of God in your heart so that you can give it out to others. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my Word like as a fire? If you jump back there to chapter 20, verse 9, and Read about Jeremiah. He said it was a burning fire. He had to preach. I was talking on the way up. I said, Mac, I just feel like I need to get out and do more. Because this book, it just takes so much of your energies. When I was associate pastor there at Victory Baptist, I was preaching sometimes 10, 12 times a week. I taught the 7th through 12th grade Bible class. I had 120 students in there every morning for 50 minutes. The most important thing you can do is live for Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at verse 29. There's more to it. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Have you ever take a hammer and break a rock? It just splatters. That's the Word of God. That's how powerful this Word is. But it's this book. So I saw this one last night in verse 30. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Well, God's concerned about people stealing his words, every one from his neighbor. Do you know how they steal the words, every one from his neighbor? They take this book and they change it. They're stealing the word of God. You know what the NIV says? It says, and this, and I'll quote it at the end once I get to uh, the word steal, because I don't have the beginning of it written down. Because I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal from one another words supposedly from me. I read that and I went, why would God be concerned about people stealing words that are supposedly from Him? He's concerned about people stealing the words that are His. He's not worried about whether they steal the NIV from somebody or not. Words that are supposedly from Him. I saw that last night and I about had a shouting fit. Because it just keeps going and going and going like the ever-ready battery. Their changes don't stop. And they don't make any sense. And people pick it up. Well, I can understand the NIV and the NASV and the Living Bible. But what are you understanding? Are you understanding the truth? We need to be the mouthpiece of God so that when His Word goeth forth, through our mouths, it makes a difference in people's lives. Jump down to verse 31. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, He saith. I looked at the NIV on this one last night. It says, instead of use their tongues, it says they wag their tongues. I mean, 
Come on. Oh, I understand the NIV better. I, I can understand they wag their tongues versus they use their tongue. All they're looking for is synonyms, young people. You know what a synonym is, right? You get a thesaurus out and you look at, look through there. Do you know that the modern version translators, that's all they're doing is looking up synonyms. In order to qualify for a derivative copyright, they have to have enough changes to qualify for a new work. So they have to keep coming up with changes and more changes and more changes. You know, the Living Bible says about Jesus Christ that He was in a brawl with His friends. Like he was in a bar. They talk about his scars rather than his wounds because they have to change words in order to qualify for a copyright. So how do you transition from the Word of God to the Word of men? Remember Thessalonians said, when you receive the Word of God which you heard of us, you receive it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. How do you go from the Word of God to the Word of men in people's lives? Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. How do, you, how do you move from the Word of God to the Word of man? How have we gotten into this mess? And, how, and I want to do this on an individual basis too. I don't want to just apply it to people that are rewriting and coming out with modern versions. But, but let me read you something. I, I've got a couple of articles here, but I want to read you one. Ministers adapting their preaching for the MTV generation. The way Bobby Ashley figures it, there are about 10,000 minutes in a week. He's got about 12 of those to give his congregation in St. Paul Baptist Church in Boise, Idaho, a message that will help them carry their faith through the next seven days. Twelve minutes. You know what they're spending their time doing? They're doing all the music and that's all they're doing. They probably come in, they probably got 30, 40 minutes of music. They got 12 minutes to do the message. They got to be out by noon. Just like the prophets of Baal. Goes on, no matter where a minister takes his sermon, it better not veer far from the Bible. In an age when even the faithful are cynical about leadership, the Bible still holds some authority for Christians. Then it goes on and tells about showing videos in church. That's what he does. He shows a video of Richard Gere running through a gauntlet in first night a film retelling the story of King Arthur, and then he makes some type of application from that. His people really like it, they said. One ingredient is missing from many sermons is guilt and condemnation today. They think that's a good thing. People don't get up Sunday morning to spend an hour being harangued for leading an unworthy life. You ought to look for that. But here we go. We went through this period when we wanted to scare the hell out of everybody so they would live better lives said the Reverend Teresa L. Fry, instructor of homiletics at Emory University in Atlanta. And listen, that doesn't mean I'm against women. We went through this period. We wanted to scare the hell out of everybody. It says it's getting back to not preaching at people, but preaching with people. That's what Teresa thinks about preaching. I'm telling you what, we don't need to preach with people. We need to get up here and say, Thus saith the, Lord, the Word of God. We need to preach the Bible. And the Bible's right here. It's not in these modern versions. Well, look at Mark chapter 7. Let's look at how you transition from the Word of God to the Word of men. God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. The first thing you do 
in order to transition from the Word of God to the Word of men is you lay aside that Bible right there. If you lay aside that Bible, you'll go from the Word of God and you'll eventually be looking toward the Word of men. You know, the world doesn't need our opinions today. I mean, everybody can come up with an opinion as to why those, those planes went into the Twin Towers. They can tell you it's because of our relationship with Israel. They can tell you because, because we're a Christian nation, which is a misnomer today. I believe we were. And I, believe, I believe we were, we were founded upon the principles of Christianity, upon the Word of God, and the Word of God is what founded this. That's why we have the executive, legislative, and judicial branch. Those three branches found in Isaiah. It's from the Word of God. Men preach the Word of God, and the Word of God is what founded this country. I believe that. Greatest country in the world today. We've gotten away from it. Is America turning back? Well, I think that's up to us. I think it's up to us to take people in their time of uncertainty, in time of turmoil, and say it's Jesus Christ. He's got the answer. And to hold this Word up and say, Thus saith the Lord. But listen, if we miss this opportunity, and it is an opportunity, we're going to stand accountable. There's people that lay aside the Word of God. He's talking about Israel, and they did it for traditions. They took traditions and they lifted it up. But it still applies to anything in your life. If you lay aside that Word, you're going to be turning to the Word of men for guidance. Look at the second step. Verse 9. And He said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. You see, after you lay aside the Word of God, you may do it innocently. You may just quit reading your Bible. And you just lay it aside. If I asked you, how many of you pick your Bibles up, not including school, you pick your Bible up on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? And you read it. How many of you say, yes, I read it. I read it every day. I don't care if you read just the Proverbs for today. Read some Bible every day. Every day. Pray every day. So what's the third thing? Look at verse 13. Making the Word of God of none effect through your tradition which you have delivered and many such things you do. You see, the first thing you do is you lay aside the Word of God. The second thing, you reject the Word of God, the commandments of God. And then the third thing is you make the Word of God of none effect. You know, this, this book's power, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, but you know, you can make it of none effect in your life. If you don't go to this book believing, if you don't go to that book right there by faith believing it's the Word of God, it will not have the effect in your life that it can have. That's what Thessalonians tells us. It will not have the effect in your life that it can have. You're in this church. This church believes the Bible. Do you realize how blessed you are to be in this church, this school? If America was smart, we'd be looking at this thing as an opportunity to show the world. And maybe we are to some degree. But listen... This thing about, you know, God bless America, it's all going to probably, you know, wane off. I went to a high school football game the Friday after Tuesday when it happened. And they got up there and they read. They didn't, they didn't pray. 
They read something that was ten times any prayer that anybody could have prayed. And they read it over that loudspeaker with that, that whole place filled up. I got chill bumps. I thought, man, look at what it's taken to get this back in schools. And they got lawsuits already now happening trying to stop it all. I went the next time to the football game. They didn't have that. Now, they did sing God Bless America. Or no, they didn't sing it. All they did was play the music. So you see, it's a stepping away, stepping away. They, they, you know, they can't stand against it. They got, they got the ACLU, you know, that's going to sue everybody that does this stuff. And they just don't think they got the funds. Love of money is the root of all evil. They don't think, well, we can't fight it. You know what you ought to do? Get on the phone. Call, call your school district. Say, listen, you ought to have the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag in there if they've taken it out. You ought, you ought to have a moment of silence every day. You know what happened in 1963? There was prayer going on and you had millions of young people around, the, around this country praying for their leaders, their families, their teachers. And what's happened since 1963? A lot of those prayers have stopped. Millions of prayers of young people that I believe God heard and answered those prayers. And ever since then, the family started falling apart. The, the school's falling apart. The nation's falling apart. Why? Because one woman who now is dead in hell and knows better wanted to stop it. And we let it happen. We let it happen. No, not you and me. But we ought to do our part to try to get it back. Little by little by little. You, I always talk about your sphere of influence. Whoever you can influence, that's how, who you ought to influence. Hey, be a testimony to, your, to the young people that are going to public school. You know Christian young people that are going to public school. Encourage them to start a prayer group in their school. Encourage them to get together first thing in the morning and pray. They cannot stop them from praying. All right, let's look at the result of the fourth thing in these verses. It says they laid aside, verse 8. They rejected, verse 9. They made the Word of God of none effect, verse 13. And you know what the whole result is? God does it in ways that we don't ever do it. He gives the result first, verse 7. How be it, in vain do they worship Me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of man. You know, the majority of the world is worshiping God or a God in vain. I've done a lot of study of the Koran and Islam and the Muslims. And, and then you, you watch the news reports. They can't understand how 19 people at one time decided to commit suicide. You know what they've said? Well, they don't believe that the other terrorists on the plane knew that they were going to wreck. They thought they were going to take the plane for ransom. Because they can't understand how 19 people would, would uh, agree to commit suicide at the same time. Because they're told they're going to paradise. I couldn't even tell you what all they're told. Because you can't repeat it in public. And that's what's driving these men. It's satanic. You say, well, you're against the Muslims. I'm against anybody that's not for God. Alright, let's look at a few more things. Then we'll close. How does the Word of God work effectually in you? How does it work effectually in you? Um, I'm going to skip a few things, but I want to jump down. I want to jump to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 2. 
For unto us was the Gospel preached as well as unto them, but the Word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. If the Word of God is not mixed with faith, Satan knows it will not do an effectual work in your life. That's why he's got to destroy your faith in the Word of God. That's why he's got to come out with all the modern versions. That's why you've got news articles that say that Christians still believe that the Bible holds some authority in their lives. It is the authority. But it has to be the Word of God. All the modern versions are the Word of men. And you can prove it, and it's been proven, and will be proven. It doesn't matter whether nobody listens to you about it. You just realize that you are most blessed of God by knowing the truth. And if you've got to stand alone, stand alone. But stand. Don't let the world, the devil, the flesh convince you that you you have something that nobody else needs. No, you have something that everybody needs. The Word of God, if it's not mixed with faith, it won't profit you. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, says they turned back and tempted God limited the Holy One of Israel. Do you know that Israel limited God? Do you know that your unbelief will limit God? It will limit God. Well, how come God? No, how come us? We're the problem. We have to get on our face before God and say, God, I'm the problem. I don't believe that it all has to be negative. When you get up after you told God that you're the problem, you get up with a newness in your heart, soul, mind. You say, but I'm going to do what I can do. And you do what you can do. You get busy. If you're not busy now, get busy. If you're not reading your Bible, read your Bible. If you're not praying, pray. Go home and read Proverbs chapter 2. If you do nothing else, read that. Tomorrow, read Proverbs 3. And then Proverbs 4. And pray and say, God, I want wisdom. I don't want to be dumb. I want to know the answers. And you know what God will do? God will give you wisdom. That's what Solomon asked for. He said, give me to understand the difference between right and wrong. That's wisdom. Let me show you one other verse. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We've got a King James Bible. We're stewards of the Word of God. You know, the Bible only says there's one requirement. You look through Paul's epistles and the word required is used one time. And it's found in the verse we're getting ready to look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know the one requirement for you and I is faithfulness? You can get up here and you can preach about all the different things. You can say, well, tithing, giving to the Lord's work, praying, reading. But you know, all those things encompass this one thing, faithfulness. You be faithful doing that which God has called you to do. And God has called each one of us to a work. Witnessing, faithfulness. Church attendance, faithfulness. Think about it. It is required. One thing is required of us. And if you and I will be busy doing that one thing, being faithful in that which God has called us to do, we can make a difference. I'm not saying we're going to change New York or Washington, D.C. 
But what about Kentucky? What about Salem Baptist Church? What about your home? What about your life? And then you get busy doing what you're supposed to do. And you know what? The Word of God will have an effectual work in our lives. If you are interested in these or similar materials, you can contact us at www.mcowanmills.com. That is M-C-C-O-W-E-N-M-I-L-L-S dot com or through the mail at P.O. Box 1611, Millbrook, Alabama 36054 or by calling 334-285-6650. Orders can be placed online or by calling toll-free at 1-866-344-1611.